Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, November 3rd, Thursday. And I'm joined for the second time this week, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Grateful to be in the full swing of the sports calendar for what it means on the schedule of our podcast. Get to hang out with my boy, O, twice a week. Uh, other than that, spent basically the entire afternoon trying to figure out how to DJ metal music. Uh, my, we're, we have a class on it tomorrow, and the teacher's very, very rap, hip-hop, techno, electro, all that world, and he kind of said, like, yeah, you can't DJ metal music well. It doesn't work. So I took that a bit personally, and uh, it's kind of been all-consuming uh, my afternoon but happy to get a bit of a bubble out of that like manic energy I've been on. How about how are you doing? Doing well. It's uh we we teased it now for it feels like two months, but we are finally back to twice a week. Uh so we'll be getting into the nittier, grittier details of the leagues as they happen, because we will have more time on our hands to work through some of that information. Uh and, and feeling good heading here towards the weekend. Always feeling high after a couple Raptors wins and, of course, a Leafs win last night. And I'm looking forward to talking about basketball, uh, tennis. Obviously, get to do my first NFL <laughs> preview uh, for the first time this season. Uh, so lots to get through, and I'm, I'm ready to kick into it. Absolutely. Um, let's start with basketball because the Toronto Raptors are... I don't want to read too much and say they're giving us everything to talk about, but my favorite thing is with these last two wins, these are teams that we both picked them to be ahead of in this year's conference. I guess the Atlanta directly in the East and Spurs by virtue of us picking the Spurs low and the Raptors mid-high. Something the team kind of typically has struggled with, um, beating low team ranked teams consistently. Um, but after... The first five, six games against all teams, I think we picked higher than them and going around 500. Uh, these wins felt really, really good. Uh, for the Atlanta one, better in terms of like, this is a more higher quality win against a higher quality team. But the Spurs blowout was just fun. I don't know where you want to start. Yeah, definitely fun. Definitely nice to see a better team impose themselves. The Raptors are tied for third in the Eastern Conference in the very early going here. And how you be successful in the regular season is you beat teams that you should beat. And Atlanta and San Antonio are two teams that they should beat. And doing it by a combined total of around 70 points is icing on the cake. But really, we talked about this a little bit off air before we jumped on. The blowout ability of a team is what helps you ascend in the conference standings because it keeps guys fresh. Most minutes played last night was 28. Uh, Pascal's been averaging 38 minutes a game in the early going so far this season, so great to get him a little bit of rest on a night like that. Uh, and then just you want to have those easier nights where even it's you're playing 28 minutes, but you're not playing... 110 percent 28 minutes now don't tell that to these guys because they really locked in defensively starting in that third quarter uh, and just near the end of the the first half but it just it makes the life of the team so much easier when everyone's dialed in and you get a big win like that gets the vibes rolling and and just it was a thing that the Raptors didn't do a ton of last year they barely had any blowout wins um 
And so when they are able to have a, a game like that, it just keeps the vibes rolling. It keeps the energy high. Uh, and they now go into a tougher opponent in Dallas tomorrow night with, with more confidence than they did the night before. Yeah. And those two wins had the same blueprint for success. Um, Fred Van Fleet out of the lineup means this team with no Malachi Flynn minutes in the non-garbage time at least uh, just has ridiculous length in all five players at all times and that creates havoc for the opposing team's offense trying to get balls through when you have a defensive player of the year caliber uh, defender in OG Ananobi all the more helpful we'll touch on that more in a second um, but just an insane amount of turnovers and stops created and easy, easy points in transition. The other thing that's amazing about this team and not a given, the length kind of gives you the assumption you're going to get some good defense. The playmaking and ball handling ability that at least three players have on the court at all times, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, other, Gary Trent Jr., all these guys can handle the ball and make the right play with it more times than not. When you combine that defense and the fact that any outlet pass is going to generate some sort of scoring opportunity, uh, it, it just flows so smoothly. That third quarter against the Spurs was just such fun basketball to watch. It was so fluid, so quick. Like, of course, there's still fouls, but it moved along. Uh, I saw a comment being like Popovich doing us all a favor, losing his challenge in the second for a fast and a third quarter. And one more time, let's hear it from my boy OG Ananobi. Put some respect on this guy's name in so many, in so many areas, but especially, especially, especially the defense. 11 steals over this two-game blowout spree. Some blocks in there as well. Uh, guards one through five gets his hands everywhere and creates so many transition opportunities. Uh, if you could have like a secondary steal category as well, those numbers would go even higher. I, I know we've got to spread the love here at pascal and scotty especially doing wonderful things trent i'm loving his role as just the pure scorer of this team uh, and also i i'm not off my trade fred van fleet opinion because i love what this team does with length uh, but at the very least what they're all doing is going to bring down what we need from him and bring down the minutes from last year and maybe we'll see more success through that yeah that would be the the place where i would lean is just less hard minutes for fred van Vliet in the regular season means more likely that he has one of his supernova shooting performances in the playoffs like he did when they won the title right that's the end goal there is make sure he's in a position to be that threat it's just this defense it doesn't work if you can get a switch it, it like the the beautiful thing is like there's no switch that really gets an easy point like the best case is you're switching on to an Achua or a Coloco and if you're a Trey Young a Luka Doncic maybe you can get a handle but there's still going to be some help coming uh when, but like as soon as you can switch on to a guy you can blow by and out muscle uh, I feel like it's just such a substantial decrease let's hand out some more flowers I am way too excited about christian coloco uh at seven foot one 
he is super mobile and his hands are incredible for his size like so many times in that atlanta game scotty who was sniping threes by the way career high in threes in that game looked really smooth would get a a pick and roll because his shot was going well atlanta would blitz the the screen there and send two at him and because of his length able to dump a pass over the top usually with some spice and coloco catches it in stride makes a makes an attack towards the rim he'll work on his at rim finishing he's still a little bit slender there was a moment in the atlanta game where he tried to pick off a, a pass around the perimeter missed it was able to recover come back down and swat a shot at the rim that went back in transition og gets a dunk out of it and just <laughs> yeah, I, I may be too high on what i think he could be but he is something that the raptors have really missed since someone like surge where they have an elite presence at the rim or maybe not yet but projects to be an elite rim protector but the mobility as well to trust him out and switches and again it i mean i use this phrase for victor dubs so i gotta be careful but this is the worst coloco's ever gonna be right it's only mm-hmm. up from here and he showed so many traits to make you excited he's been playing basketball for what five years yeah something like that and at, at 23 i think uh, like that's why we got him so late in the draft because we're going to get less years of his prime. But that lines up with a lot of other guys on the roster's schedule. Yeah, we'll see how quickly the development happens. But because we've had this massive hole on the roster for so long, it doesn't, as soon as you plug in something that look is like half resembling what we need, it's just such a marked improvement. And yeah, I think we're going to see massive growth over this season. From him. Nick Nick Nurse mentioned that he was likely going to be the first person to slot into the lineup if any of their true starting five gets hurt because he is kind of their number one center or only true center on the team. And what his rim protection does is it allows OG, it allows Pascal, Gary Trent, Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes to be more aggressive on the perimeter and become the full-fledged monster hunters that they are on defense uh, and, and be more progressive. So Obviously, OG's been phenomenal, and I think you can attribute 10-15% of that to him being able to take more chances because he knows he has someone behind him cleaning things up. It's just, it's awesome to see. And you're right, he's on that same developmental timeline as our friend Pascal Siakam. Uh, same same uh, country, same sort of story. And Siakam, man, mm-hmm. let me throw the stats at you. He is one of three players in the NBA, averaging uh, 27, 7, and 7. Other two there, Luka and LeBron. He's also one of three players in the league in top 20 in points, assists, and rebounds per game, with Luka and Jokic being the only other two in that conversation. So Pascal Siakam, man, all NBA first team type stuff to start the season. And this is different than when he got off to his toward pace, scoring the ball in, in the 2019-20 season. He's playmaking. He's rebounding his butt off. Just amazing stuff from him. And he's playing with a ton of energy. And so when he can have a 28-minute night and and have a a triple-double, essentially, wow, everything you could have hoped for and more from what he's become. So, so happy to see what he's been doing. Yeah, I'm so high on the offense and playmaking that he's bringing. I almost want to see the rebounds go down a bit. Like, as you said, with... Coloco there providing that extra rim protection. He can like he doesn't have to worry about the five. Like box your guy out, worry about your assignment. Of course, take care of it. But like 
you you don't have to rush for it and like you can worry a little less about that worry a little more about the transition and get that offense going a little bit faster and i think that's part of what we saw i can't quite remember the sequence but that like lob to banton for the dunk somewhere in the third just beautiful stuff and i agree with you it's complete basketball it, it's not one thing like oh he needs the three-point shooting to be hot oh it, he needs that mid-range to be there whatever the defense is giving him he's taking and whatever they're not giving he's creating for himself and getting somewhere else uh biggest flower we're giving out to the raptors to pascal for sure wonderful stuff unreal looking forward to seeing what he can do against dallas uh, tomorrow night, and and of course, uh, Luka Doncic, who, yeah, is is my career right now. He's literally two K twenty one. Just dropped himself in there. I think he's averaging thirty six, ten and eight on this season, which the, is stupefying. Literally, the only other player who has put up the numbers he's put up is Wilt Chamberlain. And you know you're in 2K when you're like rivaling Wilt Chamberlain and above everyone else. It, it's been ridiculous. It's kind of been expected. Uh, I Like the trend we've seen is one really, really, really good player does not translate to team success. So almost so for the Mavericks sake, I'm hoping it evens out, but also like the rule of sports is that our expectations and ideas and boundaries are constantly getting gradually shattered. And in this hyper scoring league NBA that we're in, why not do something no one's ever done before this season? Luca, get after it. Uh, just not I'm, Friday night, please. Yeah. I'm so excited to see how the Raptors uh, attack it. I think we're going to see a ton of double teams. <laughs> oh, cannot wait. Cannot wait. Um, Speaking of our European talents, I've already mentioned Luka and Jokic, and we've got Giannis Antetokounmpo also off to a fantastic start to the season. Underrated note that's helping a lot of these guys who are great in transition is the take foul mm -hmm. uh, rule, in effect, really helped Giannis especially, but guys like Pascal, um, and, and just they get more transition opportunities, and that's going to lead to more points. Uh, and so I really love that for the flow of the game. and. Another dude from Europe who was balling out in Eurobasket, and we've already mentioned him a couple of times, but I'm going to continue to talk about it because I saw him light it up in Finland, is Lowry Bird. I mean, Lowry Markkinen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the name getting thrown around. It's a little bit crazy, but averaging 23-9-3 and on the season so far and being the number one option on a Utah Jazz team that is 6-3. and and in the top half of the Western Conference, where everyone thought they would be, but not really. Lowry Markman just not afraid and shows you kind of like a Jeremy Grant, kind of like, I can't think of another op, uh, guy off the top of my head, but um, when you throw these dudes who play as a role player on a team underneath another star, and they get some shine and they get that opportunity, just shows the depth of talent we have in the NBA nowadays that Larry Markkinen can get a greater role and, and increase his scoring percentage. And the difference between the absolute superstars and, and the next level stars and then guys after that is the efficiency they do it with, the consistency they do it with. But so far to start the season, he's lived up 
more so than even Jeremy Grant was able to in Detroit. So really fantastic stuff seeing from Lowry. And the other dude I'll give the shout out to is Shea Gilgis Alexander on a pretty crappy Oklahoma City Thunder team, wherever wherever we've seen that before. Uh, he's averaging over 32 points per game um, and was just lighting up dudes and had a really nice game against Orlando again uh, the other night. As good as Markkanen's been, uh, Cleveland not taking a second to pause in the rearview mirror on that trade. Donovan Mitchell has been everything the Cleveland Cavaliers have asked for and wanted on this team. Ridiculous clutch play at the end of the fourth. I thought he was going to take out the Celtics alone. There's a limit to how much you can do with Euroball, and he's feeling himself a little too much, although I'll say any other point in the game and that block Tatum had gets uh, called for a foul because he took the legs out under Mitchell as he took it. But I generally you complain can never about never make that call on a game winner. Yeah, yeah. it's we will focus on Mitchell, the Cavs, and the Celtics game, not um, the technicalities and minutia of refereeing basketball. But what a game in Garland's return uh, doesn't slow down Mitchell's offense at all. Uh, Levert returned to earth a bit since that his last ridiculous performance against the Celtics. Um, yeah, but I think like three absurd baskets in a row from Donovan Mitchell. My favorite, the blow by on Al Horford, where Horford's length against any other guard would have still gotten a block, contested the shot, but the ridiculous reach just puts that hook layup so far out of reach and in safe zone. We're ne- neglecting to praise Jason Tatum as well with the dunk, dude. Oh my goodness. The authority on that. It, it, like everyone on the court in the arena knew what was coming when Jason Tatum lined up past that half court line. And the Cavs still could not do a thing to stop it. Um, and that is what top elite talent in the NBA means. And I think it's a lit level Jason Tatum has cemented himself at. Yeah, same type of play that Memphis likes to run late in games with Ja Morant, right? You get your best player with elite athleticism with a full head of speed uh, to the basket and and you get out of the way. And yeah, a phenomenal dunk, kind of a little tit for tat in terms of things that maybe weren't called late in the game. That one, like, that's a foul that will always piss me off anytime they call it, like, because it didn't affect the shot. There was contact. Yeah, so I guess just the evens out there a little bit, and then we go to overtime, and this Cavs team, very similar story to last year. Really, really fun and exciting early on. Hopefully they don't fade down the stretch, but a 6-1 and one start, and you're just seeing more of what you loved about them last year, the twin towers of Allen and Mobley. There's just so much length. They eat up the paint. You cannot get easy buckets against this team with those guys there. Uh, Allen re- helped. On, on with Mitchell against Smart and, and blocked a floater there. Then it goes back the other way. Garland oops it for Mitchell. Just had the crowd going crazy. It felt like a playoff game. Mitchell strips Brown on his way to the basket and just clapping it up right in people's faces. He's dialed in. That's a big thing, right? That was the big thing we talked about. Is he lost his edge on defense when he was playing in Utah? Lost a little bit of the passion there. Um, he's not a tall player per se relative to the NBA, but he does have the wingspan to be able to be disruptive. And a lot of times defense for these top tier guys comes down to effort and he's giving it early on and not being a revolving door on that side of the ball. Uh, and and also 
a couple of highlight worthy rebounds. You don't yeah. see that very often, but he gets From up for the bones. Yeah, he gets up for those rebounds. Uh, and this Cleveland team is really, really fun. And I'm happy the Raptors were able to steal a win from them early on in the season. I will say before they start to truly terrify me, they have to figure out their end game plays and find a way to get Mobley at least involved in the offense, a little more versatile and like having some mid-range opportunities because the guard hero ball has its limits. And I they got lucky that Mitchell did as well as he did, Garland as well. But if they just keep running that over and over where they wait 12 seconds out of the clock and give themselves one move to make and put the make or break for the game on that, I think uh, that they're going to end up drawing the short side of the stick more often than not. So they're not, they're really fun to watch and there's so much potential. uh, But I think that's the distinction I'm seeing right now between them and that like true contendership elite level. Now that we're done salivating over all the news in the NBA, we'll have to have to mention it because the uh, the circus show continues and just more and more rolls around along. I don't even know if you can call it an evil empire because they didn't put up numbers like Darth Vader did. It's like <laughs> it's like if the if the evil empire was from Spaceballs, I think is the equivalent here for the Brooklyn Nets firing Steve Nash bringing in Ime Udoka, which in itself is incredibly questionable, uh, hiring a team, hiring coach from a team that he's on suspension for only two months into his one-year-long suspension. We're going to find out more information now about why, because he's going to be back in the spotlight, which I'm frightened to see. And then, of course, we've got the Kyrie stuff, where I don't, I, I, it continually perplexes me for to just see how how fragmented one's perception of reality is and and how you can think of yourself in one way and then totally go a different way in conversation with media and it's, it's just straight up wrong what he's done and hasn't acknowledged it the statement he released today was nowhere close to an apology he hasn't really gotten a slap on the wrist for it and versus someone like Myers Leonard, who has never been seen from again after his remarks. So it's just, it's astounding to see this continue. And it's, it's a really, it's put a, a stink on an otherwise really fun and really entertaining start to this season. There's so much to talk about here. Uh, so let's start with Kyrie and say the simple stuff. One, as Shaq and Chuck said, he's an idiot. This is nothing new. Maybe not shocking. Uh, we saw it last year with the VAC stuff. Public perception can be here, and Kyrie's going to go down there. That's really all there is to it. Um, like you, At the same time, may, this might be one of the circumstances where he's less of an outlier from the league. We've seen barely any condemnation from other players against him. Uh, the league didn't has been slow to move its feet on it and it seems like it's the reaction that this has generated rather than the initial reaction you get on this breaking news oh while we're recording the pod the brooklyn nets have suspended kyrie irving for failure to disavow anti-semitism suspension will be a minimum of five games 
but Irving will not be reinstated until he satisfies a series of objective remedial measures that addresses the harmful impact of his conduct. So big news there. And <laughs> apt timing right now on the pod while we break it. I mean, all I got to say on the Brooklyn Nets side is it's late. I'm yeah. glad they've done something, but it is very late. And so it's 2% back in the right direction, but uh, we're going to need to start seeing a pattern of actions from this team before we start to welcome them back into the good graces. Yeah, it, it's as I was just saying, it, it feels like this is a reaction to the reaction and not a reaction to Kyrie's comments itself. Uh, I think if you're Joe Sai and Brooklyn Nets management, you're just holding your breath and waiting for this year to be over and to not have this idiot under contract with your organization anymore. And I can't say I blame them for that opinion. And God help whatever team thinks that they can handle this circus next. The other circus, circus going on in Brooklyn, Steve Nash out the door, not really shocking uh, with how... The team has performed and uh, the cherry on top, like it came after a win. And after that win, Nash said something to GM Marks to the extent of I, like, I've lost them. They, they don't respect me. I don't have control. That kind of indicates that he recognized he couldn't provide value. I think the Nets recognized the impossible circus they threw him into. I saw a quote from Steve Kerr saying, if you threw me, or Eric Spolstra, the second longest head coach in the league at this point. Uh, Kerr's accolades speak for themselves. Neither of us would have done any better. Um, so our poor boy, Steve Nash, uh, the jury will remain out on his coaching unless we see him in that opportunity again, which... I don't know. I, I think a team would be rolling the dice if it happened. Um, the more likely path, if he was interested, would be do what Jason Kidd did, go assistant coach for a team, then go to head coach. Uh, that's really based on Nash's own interests and how his stint as a head coach uh, made him feel about the position. So we'll see what hold, the future holds for Steve Nash. On the Ime Adoku side, I've kind of seen comments of two minds. One to the extent of like, look at how much he did for the Boston Celtics last year. Whatever he did must have been so bad for them to not want him to play. The other side I've seen is this isn't going to court. The NBA hasn't stepped in. Uh, it's remained very tight-lipped. There's not a lot here. The theory that I saw backing this kind of idea was the Celtics had to make a decision very quickly before this got out to media. If they went too far in their punishment of Udoka, he could then go back and sue them and fight him in court. If they do nothing, they could also, they choose a middle ground and it goes back and forth. If what he did was really bad, then the Celtics very, very happy to have this circus or like this problem taken off their hands and no yeah. more liability in the situation. If it wasn't, it begs the question. Uh, as you said, it seems likely this will come or more to the surface. I'm going to wait and see on this one. It, the fact that the little we do know implies everything was consensual. 
and the lack of any criminal uh, activity kind of puts me lending more to the second, but that's all I'm going to say on it. And we'll see at the end of the year, but I'll just go back to what I said about Nash saying, I don't have control. Uh, We're going to learn if any coach can have control of this circus. Yep. Definitely not the, the Josh Primo situation, which we don't need to touch on. Definitely something until there. the Nets sign Primo. We don't need to touch on it. <laughs> and and Boston wipes their hand of it. Not their problem anymore. Um, but I know we will hear more about that in in the coming weeks. Tough one to move on from, but that's going to do it for basketball storylines. There, uh, we'll jump into the football fan cave here, where we had the most entertaining NFL trade deadline maybe ever. Wow! Not typically a league where you see a ton of big big moves and needle movers but we did have a couple that i i wanted to talk through um and and yeah some really exciting stuff especially uh with some big names on the move there i'll start with the detroit lions trading tight end tj hawkinson to the minnesota vikings fantastic option to go with jefferson with Thielen, with dalvin cook just gonna add another fantastic weapon to that vikings offense they didn't necessarily help with their defense which i still have concerns about but they're six and one they're top of the nfc north they're rolling why not go in get another piece uh because in the nfc everyone has a shot this year you've got the eagles you've got the vikings um and then of course you've got cowboys giants but no one's besides the eagles really no one has really established themselves as a favorite and even the eagles haven't had any track record of playoff success with jalen hurts yet so it's up for grabs there in that conference bradley chubb of my beloved denver broncos traded to the miami dolphins big one here is that the broncos are able to get a first in the in the deal now max in the nfl the weight and capital of draft picks is just so much higher than any other league because of the number of players that you have on an nfl roster and the amount of talent you're able to find in second third fourth round just because there's so many guys on the team you can find a useful player uh, in the draft and it's a great way for teams to keep replenishing and keep their window open some of the most some of the best teams are teams that are able to find value in the draft year over year. And I know that's nothing new for all sports, but in the NFL, especially. Well, I imagine like just where your holes on your team and what the top of the draft means or looks like is often incongruent. And it means like if everyone's looking for court quarterbacks and wide receivers and you're missing one lineman and the best lineman in the draft falls lower because of those then you can pick up the best lineman in the draft with a not top 10 first round pick yep yep where and and that's a i mean lineman slightly less valued is maybe one of the best things you can pick in a first round because they're they're just they move the needle for you in a way that some other positions on the field won't. So it's it's a great place to get value. And I like the trade for Denver. It sucks that you're losing your your best pass rusher that you had there with Von Miller for a little bit. But I guess they just don't believe in Russell Wilson this season and they're looking to get more assets uh, to start replenishing all the picks they gave up for Russ. Uh, and, and Miami Dolphins get a incredible pass rusher. Great win rate. Um, hasn't shown necessarily the potential i think this season with denver but 
going into Miami, going across from Phillips. He's going to make some big-time plays for that team as they look to try and join the Buffalo Bills in the conversation at the top of the AFC. Other trades here, Roquan Smith, one of the best young uh, linebackers in the game, going from Chicago to Baltimore. The Ravens, they always seem to have dudes who just play hard and get after the football and defense. Nothing new there. Great brand pickup for them, and and he's been all pro a couple of years now, still really young. He's not in a premier position, but if you have the opportunity to get a guy of that talent and you think you have a shot, you go and do it. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers trade Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears. So this is the Bears saying that they are fully invested in Justin Fields. And uh, it was something we definitely didn't expect after his early season performance and what he looked like last year. But he's really come along in the last couple of weeks. And we've seen jumps from guys like Allen uh, and, and jumps like Tua and, and Burrow. When you bring in number one ride receivers, uh, to be with them, that's when they take that next step. And Chase Claypool measures out as a guy who could be that. I don't think he's there yet, but it's a big weapon to get for Fields. And I, I, from a fantasy perspective, I think we could see some big things from Chase in the coming weeks. Uh, good for the Canadian to find a, a new home there. Lastly, the Buffalo Bills, smaller move, but you got to mention them because they are the Super Bowl favorite. They go out and get Naheem Hines from the Indianapolis Colts, adds another running back to their rotation with Cook and Singletary and Moss, uh, and, and he's a great weapon there in the pass game as well as special teams. Um, a, a more undervalued side, but could be important come a playoff game if you get a big play from him. So overall, the trades are probably going to be the most exciting part of this week in the NFL a weaker week eight schedule with some larger uh, underdog favorite matchups but with the parody who knows we could get some exciting football uh, games circled on my calendar for this weekend buffalo bills new york jets battle of the afc east there uh, the cardinal seahawks the seattle seahawks first in the nfc west trying to keep it up against a very dysfunctional arizona team the rams and the bucks this would have been the primetime game but both of these teams have surprisingly largely underperformed. And so this game is going to be a bit more of a snooze fest. And uh, this was going to be their game to, to really promote on Fox, but they've swung and missed on this one this year. Uh, and then the Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs are the Sunday night football game. Uh, looking forward to seeing a repeat of past AFC playoff games. And hopefully Derrick Henry can, can mince meat of that Kansas City defense. That's going to do it for the preview uh, for the NFL this week. Max, I think we can skip over hockey and spend our last four minutes here talking tennis. I'll take five seconds and say thank you, Johnny Tavares, uh, for doing what the captain of the Leafs needs to do. And that's it. We can move on to tennis. <laughs> we have eight players left in Paris. Uh, so that will all happen tomorrow. Uh, the matches happening in the morning during my class has been frustrating. And so I've watched what I can and um, looking forward to the weekend, being able to see the semis and finals. But our last eight players, Francis Tiafo will face our Canadian Felix Auger Aliassime, who took two years off my life in his uh, first match, second round against Michael Ymir. So many unforced errors. Uh, he lost the first set, got broken early in the second. I thought he was out. He breaks back, gets that set, and just every time he thought he pulled ahead, 
and dropped his level or you know, me or brought his level up, uh, I could not sit still or function while this match was going on. It, so happy to see him battle through it and get the win and raise his level of playing after that against Simon. Uh, so he'll face TFO early tomorrow morning, and then the winner of that will face the winner of Carlos Alcaraz versus uh, Holger Rune. Alcaraz, everything's been said. I'll just uh, reiterate that he was last year's next-gen ATP champion. Uh, a lot of promise showed last year, and then he broke out this year. I think if you have to look for a player in the field who's replicating where Alcaraz was last year, that would be Holger Rune right now. So we'll see him at the next-gen ATP. Uh, oh, also Felix qualified for Turin with his win and uh, Fritz being out. So congrats to him. Looking forward Ooh. to more tennis from Felix. But yeah, the two very young players with a bright future ahead of them clashing. I don't know if it's their first match, but uh, it certainly won't be their last. Novak Djokovic rolling through. He'll face another young up-and-coming player in Lorenzo Musetti, who's kind of been breaking out a little less, but similar to Rune. And then the last match will be Stefano Tsitsipas uh, versus Paul. Yeah, Shapovalov getting eliminated from the tournament. Uh, tough one against Pablo Carreno Busta. Uh, a double fault in the tiebreak of the first set. He manages to win the second set and then double faults to give up the break in the third set. Was able to generate two break points in that third set, not able to capitalize. Not an awful game, just some bad timing on the double faults and errors for him. Uh, but he ended the year very positively and happy to see he'll be representing Canada at the Davis Cup later on in the year. Uh, so nice job, Chapeau. Uh, yeah, uh, Nadal and Medvedev, the other two players I had my eye on this tournament, were out. Uh, so yeah, um, love this two, twice a week. can get that all out of the way. And then Sunday's podcast will mostly focus on the semis and finals of the last Masters event of the year. Oh, you've probably got 30 seconds. The Philadelphia Phillies, the only team to hit five home runs in a World Series game, then get no hit next. <laughs> and so that's where we're, things are at, 2-2 two, two in that one. Uh, looking forward to Game 5 tonight. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Sports Next Door. Signing out.